It's the Mark Stein Show. First weekend of February 2021. 50 years ago, February 5th, 1971, Apollo 14 landed Alan Shepard of Derry, New Hampshire, a few hours down the road from me, and Edgar Mitchell of Artesia, New Mexico. Apollo 14 landed those two men on the moon. Very famously, Commander Shepard played a couple of holes of golf up there, a couple of craters of golf up there. Four. Straight down the middle It went straight down the middle Then it started to hook just a wee wee bit And that's when my caddy lost sight of it That little white pellet has never been found to this day if you're thinking of joining the Lunar Golf Club, don't bother. The clubhouse bar has no atmosphere. Uh, one year ago, February 5th, 2020, President Donald J. Trump was acquitted at his impeachment trial. The United States Senate is marking the anniversary with a full-scale reenactment, you know, like the Civil War reenactors. They'll all be in period dress. If you're listening to this show as we first air it, I'll be in for Tucker tonight. Uh, that's uh, 8 p.m. North American Eastern Time on Friday. If you're playing catch-up and listening to this uh, over the weekend, I'll be hosting Re-Impeachment Roundup for a full hour on Monday and every night of Re-Impeachment Week next week. That's 7 p.m. Eastern, just ahead of Tucker, starting on Monday. Hope you'll tune in for one or the other or both. So I'll save the American politics uh, for those outings, except to make a couple of observations. As you know, for the last few weeks on Rush... I've been making snide cracks about Cumulus Radio, which owns a lot of stations in America, and whose senior executive wanker said that anybody who brought up election fraud would be terminated immediately, which may be why so many of your favorite rock-ribbed conservative hosts have gone silent on the subject. So here's a fascinating piece from Time magazine, a fascinating piece from Time magazine. I don't believe I've used that expression since uh, March 1974. Uh, the fascinating piece from Time magazine is called The Secret History of the Shadow Campaign That Saved the 2020 Election. Hmm, what's that about? Sample quote. The handshake between the business lobby and organized labor was just one component of a vast cross-partisan campaign to protect the election, an extraordinary shadow effort 
dedicated not to winning the vote, but to ensuring it would be free and fair, credible and uncorrupted. For more than a year, a loosely organised coalition of operatives scrambled to shore up America's institutions as they came under simultaneous attack from a remorseless pandemic and an autocratically inclined president. Unquote. Time magazine. Okay, so a, quote, coalition of, quote, operatives, quote, scrambled to shore up America's institutions to, quote, protect the election. But I I thought American elections were run by county election officials. Who are these scrambling operatives shoring up institutions? Further quote. The participants want the secret history of the 2020 election told, even though it sounds like a paranoid fever dream, a well-funded cabal of powerful people ranging across industries and ideologies, working together behind the scenes to influence perceptions, change rules and laws, steer media coverage, and control the flow of information. They were not rigging the election, they were fortifying it, unquote. Aha, they were not rigging the election, they were fortifying it. So that's okay then. Time magazine. Will that cumulus wanker let his radio hosts talk about this fascinating Time magazine piece about fortifying the election? I probably ought to mention the wanker's name uh, since I keep hooting and jeering at him, let me, uh, let me, see. oh, here we are. Brian Phillips, Brian Phillips, executive Vike, vice wanker of content at Cumulus Media. OK, we're approaching the first anniversary of lockdown. Let me make a, uh, a grand general observation that I uh, touched on a week or so back on Rush, but I'd like to re-emphasize As Sam Goldwyn would say, enough with the old cliches, bring me some new cliches. The two defeated Republican senators in Georgia, now forgotten, uh, had been told by Karl Rove or some such to repeat the phrase radical socialist agenda every 12 seconds when a microphone was shoved under their noses. Obviously, that didn't work because they're both now history in that very American sense of The phrase meaning total oblivion. But why would Karl Rove or whoever concocted the expression expect it to work? For the last year, the state has presumed the right to tell you whether you're free to open up your hair salon, whether you're free to go to church, whether you're free to leave the house, whether you're free to have Auntie Mabel over for Thanksgiving. Millions of red-blooded Americans each day stand in painted circles on the sidewalk for a cup of crappy burnt coffee from Starbucks. Given how we've lived the last year, why would you expect anyone to be scared by the words radical socialist now? Because all that's pretty radical, radical beyond the dreams of most socialist parties as they've existed in the Western world. For the past year, the 
government that has least intruded on your personal space, on your freedom of movement, freedom of association, freedom of religion, is the government of Sweden, which is a coalition of social democrats and greens. Meanwhile, if you talk to so-called conservatives in government, in the ministries of uh, Boris Johnson and Scott Morrison and Doug Ford in London and Canberra and Toronto, uh, they assure you that, yeah, 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 don't worry about all that uh, small government, uh, personal freedom, light regulatory touch, uh, all, all that stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, we still, we still believe all that, and we're going to get right back on it as soon as the COVID's cleared up, which is never going to happen by the metrics they've chosen. Oh, but don't vote for those socialists. Those crazies want to control every aspect of your life. Rule by experts, by technocrats, by scientists. Not, not left or right, just experts. They play it straight down the middle. And then it veers hard left. Straight down the middle. It went straight down the middle. The life of a golfer is not all gloom There's always the lies in the locker room And I'm in my glory when wrapped in a towel I say that it went straight down the middle Where it wound up is a riddle But it went straight down the middle Mark Stein's Poem of the Week. It was Groundhog Day on Tuesday. Groundhog Day is a day. And then it became a film, a very popular film. Did you know there's a poem in that picture? It's in the diner in Punxsutawney. Bill Murray is shoveling whole slices of cake into his cake hole and swallowing them in one. And generally, as befits his self-centred and cynical character, behaving in a disgusting manner. And eventually, Andy McDowell leans across the table and says, What? The wretch, concentered all in self, living shall forfeit fair renown, and doubly dying shall go down to the vile dust from whence he sprung, unwept, unhonored, and unsung. Sir Walter Scott. <laughs> what, you don't like poetry? I love poetry. I just thought that was Willard Scott. I was confused. <laughs> hmm. Uh, Willard Scott was the weatherman on NBC's Today Show since retired. And uh, Bill Murray's character was also a weatherman, although local, not network. But never mind Willard Scott, Walter Scott. A Scot called Walter, author of Ivanhoe, Waverley, Rob Roy, etc. And in the context of the plot, uh, Andy McDowell is attending to the film's principal theme. Uh, he's a boorish narcissist, consented all in self, as Sir Walter puts it, and he will have to overcome that in order to escape the prison of eternally recurring Groundhog Day.
But Scott's contempt for such a wretch is more particular. It's about a man who has no feeling for his native land. Uh, that's what makes him a wretch. He has no feeling uh, for its brown heath and shaggy wood, in the case of uh, Sir Walter Scott. And it occurs to me that the connection between man and the soil in which he grew is something our age now wholly rejects, indeed regards as a bad thought, such that if they were remaking Groundhog Day today, Miss McDowell's character would probably pick an entirely different poem, lest someone Google it. It used to be entirely normal, believe it or not, to think that there was something about the landscape of Norway that had shaped the Norwegians that was different from the way the landscape of Greece had shaped the Greeks. But now anyone can be anywhere. In 2016, in that strange European summer of allegedly Syrian refugees, I happened to be way up at the top of the Bay of Bothnia in a not terribly prepossessing town just east of the Sweden-Finland border, Kemi. It's lower Lapland, basically nothing between there and Santa's Grotto. And as I pulled into the main square, an ugly shopping plaza, the only man in sight was wearing the shalwar kameez familiar to Jalalabad and West Yorkshire. On the roof of the world, the solitary specimen of humanity was dressed for the Indian subcontinent. It was a sad and absurd sight for both parties, man and place. Uh, so perhaps because I am a wandering, rootless mongrel, I'm touched by the question the poet poses here. What mortal hand can e'er untie the filial band that knits me to thy rugged strand? I think he would be surprised at how easy it's been to untie. It's one of the most profound changes of the last century, and it is faintly disquieting now to read someone like Scott, who took it for granted that a land and its people are one. First published in Edinburgh on January the 12th, 1805, by Archibald Constable and Company, by Sir Walter Scott, an excerpt from the sixth canto, of the Lay of the Last Minstrel. Breathes there the man with soul so dead, who never to himself hath said, This is my own, my native land, whose heart hath ne'er within him burned, as home his footsteps he hath turned from wandering on a foreign strand. If such there breathe, go! Mark him well, for him no minstrel raptures swell. High though his titles, proud his name, boundless his wealth as wish can claim. Despite those titles, power and pelf, the wretch consented all in self. Living shall forfeit fair renown, and doubly dying shall go down to the vile dust from whence he sprung, unwept, unhonoured, and unsung. O Caledonia, stern and wild, meet nurse for a poetic child, land of brown heath and shaggy wood, land of the mountain and the flood, land of my sires, what mortal hand can e'er untie the filial band, that knits me to thy rugged strand. Still, 
As I view each well-known scene, think what is now and what hath been, seems as to me of all bereft, sole friends, thy woods and streams were left. And thus I love them better still, even in extremity of ill. By Yarrow's stream still let me stray, though none should guide my feeble way. Still feel the breeze down Ettrick break, although it chill my withered cheek. Still lay my head by Teviot stone, though there, forgotten and alone, the bard may draw his parting groan. A poem in part from me to you, from Sir Walter Scott's great narrative work, The Lay of the Last Minstrel. If that line, Land of the Mountain and the Flood, rings a vague bell, it was deployed by the Scottish composer Hamish McCann two-thirds of a century later, 1867, as the title for a concert overture. And we, in turn, use that overture as one of the musical themes for my serialization of John Buchan's famous Scottish set thriller, The 39 Steps. You can find that on our Tales for Our Time homepage. Everything is connected here at Stein Online. What better way to escape from a world of censorship, surveillance, and big government than by delving into a novel about, well, censorship, surveillance, and big government? Mark Stein's latest tale is as timely as ever. Tune into Stein Online nightly as Mark reads George Orwell's dystopic 1984. Tales for Our Time are available exclusively to members of the Mark Stein Club. Listen to the latest tale and all the previous ones by going to www.steinonline.com. Oh, you know what this music means. Mark's mailbox is on the air. Tim Nielsen, a first weekend founding member from the formerly great Australian state of Victoria, writes, Hi, Mark. Just wondering how you reacted to the latest from Maximum Leader Dan Andrews in the People's Republic of Victoria stand. Yeah, what, what happened to that campaign uh, in the wake of... Uh, the Black Lives Matter thing in late spring, summer, to remove the name of the hated racist Queen Empress from the state of Victoria and uh, change its name to something more appropriate. Because I'm in favor of that. Uh, the, the present state of Victoria is unworthy of that great name. They should rename it after Beyonce or some such. Out of over... 6.6 million people, says Tim. We recently got one, yes, one singular COVID positive test, bringing the state's total of active cases to one. In response, Maximum Leader reintroduced mandatory masks, reduced the number of people, quote unquote, allowed in homes, and cancelled an increase in the number allowed in offices. He then told the public, there's no need for people to panic. 
stupidity, incompetence or deliberate fostering of totalitarianism as a default setting or all three. Uh, P.S. Thanks for the recent observation that delivery mechanisms have taken over from actual content as the prime concern of the entertainment industry. It was one of those things that as soon as I read it, I thought, of course, it's it's so obvious, but I hadn't thought of before. I suppose it's inevitable since content now consists almost solely of woke propaganda, mother effer, mother effer, mother effer lyrics, or as you once put it, Captain's Sequel versus Franchise Reboot Man 7. I uh, know, actually, Captain Sequel versus Franchise Reboot Man 7 was a stinker of a movie, Tim. The really good one was uh, Captain Sequel versus Franchise Reboot Man 12. That, 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 one was, uh, that one was okay. Yeah, that's actually quite an important point. The whole thing with delivery mechanisms, I said years ago, I think this was on these, um, what would that have been? I think it was the 90th anniversary of the jazz singer, Al Jolson, first talking picture. Oh, mammy, you ain't seen nothing yet. And <laughs> if he'd done that now, people, yeah, it's uh, it's all right. I don't, I don't really want to, could you just like come around and like sing it to me in my bathtub? The, the delivery system of me having to go to the Roxy Pantheon in the city is uh, is is too much trouble. If the Beatles did Sergeant Pepper, yeah, I could you just shoot it to me into my veins intravenously? I don't want to have to go to the record store and buy an LP. Um, <laughs> to return to your uh, the the massive uh, pandemic of COVID in your state of Victoria, Tim. Um, just to be clear, as you uh, put it in the PS, that's one active case from community transmission. Uh, there are apparently also 20 Australians who've returned from overseas and are in quarantine. Uh, and I'd be interested to know <laughs> whether, as with Justin Trudeau's new plan, where they put you in a government isolation facility, uh, and then charge you $2,000. I'd be interested to know what the price tab is in Victoria. But that one active case from community transmission, as Tim points out, determines whether you can have a friend round, go to work. We are trying to do something that has never been done, entirely eradicate a respiratory virus, which means that in the more ambitious chancelleries of power, such as Chairman Dan's, a, a single case of COVID now gets to determine your business model, whether the restaurant you have is allowed to serve anybody dinner, uh, whether it can be at 25% capacity, whether it can be at 50% capacity. Uh, good luck, good luck being in business under a business model that fluctuates uh, according to the fancies and whims of government. Meanwhile, around the world, we have failed to do what we should have done, which is to protect those most at risk, uh, especially uh, the elderly. Um, in America, the same, well, actually, not just in America, pretty much everywhere, the same chief executives in government who shut down life for the young and the healthy instituted policies that slaughtered huge numbers of the most vulnerable and then sat back and wallowed in praise for their carnage, uh, like the blood-soaked butcher of New York, Andrew Cuomo. Again, one notes the Social Democrats and Greens in Stockholm, because this is as near, this is really as near to a number you get 
if you just did nothing. Sweden had about 5,000 more deaths in 2020 than in 2018. Uh, 97,000 versus 92,000. I'm not saying that's nothing, because if you look back at the last 10 years, it, it kind of fluctuated from 89,000, 90,000, 92,000, 91,000. Uh, it's, it's in a ballpark between uh, 89 and 93,000. So it's a little more than usual. Uh, obviously, some, some people did die of this thing who uh, would otherwise have lived. Uh, and they, for the most part, uh, did did nothing special except advise freeborn citizens to calculate their own risks for most of the last year. And in return, they had a year of more or less normal life. Um, if the point is to drive us further into living an ersatz existence through the high-tech gizmos of woke billionaires and thus soften us up for mere virtual life in perpetuity. It's grand. But otherwise, we have drained all the life out of life and diminished our humanity. Um, I was struck by something from my old editor, Charles Moore, in this week's Spectator. He cites a friend, an English doctor on the COVID front lines. Quote, Although lockdown has almost certainly averted a disaster this time around, I am concerned that its costs are not being counted. Therefore, I am slowly compiling examples of harm that I have witnessed. And the doctor gives an example. An 88-year-old man who has been married for 62 years to the girl next door. He came into hospital very frail. His wife had gone into a nursing home before the first lockdown with dementia. He could not see her because he was not allowed out and no one was permitted into the home. Their few Zoom conversations didn't work due to their mutual deafness and her dementia. That's not a small point, but telling, telling everybody, oh, you can all still connect via Zoom. Yeah, that isn't such a, a great option uh, when you're trying to uh, contact your beloved wife of 62 years in the old folks' home. Uh, it broke his heart and he declined rapidly. In other words, not being able to be in contact with his dementia-afflicted wife broke this guy's heart and he declined rapidly. When he got a letter inviting him for a vaccine, he said, why am I allowed to go out for a vaccine but not to see the woman I loved more than life itself? He refused the vaccine and days later became very unwell with a urinary tract infection. He has now died. The lockdown intended to protect that man destroyed his life and made it meaningless. Just to be clear here, his wife died of dementia and he died of his urinary tract infection. But they are both victims of COVID because the regime that uh, the government of the United Kingdom imposed in the wake of COVID, as his doctor says, destroyed his life and made it meaningless. I quote again Roger Coops, a chemist, pharmaceutical guy, 
Stopping humans from being human will not stop the virus from being a virus. And that's true. But stopping humans from being human does wonders for that, quote, radical socialist agenda. Mark Stein's Last Call. Saturday, February 6th, would have been Sammy Nestico's 97th birthday. He didn't quite make it. He died a couple of weeks ago. If you've caught the U.S. Marine Band or watched M.A.S.H. or Charlie's Angels or bought albums by Bing Crosby, Phil Collins, Michael Bublé, you've heard Sammy's arrangements. He conducted Count Basie's last 10 albums and uh, scored a handful of tracks on uh, what turned out to be really truthfully Sinatra's last true studio album, which included Sam Nestico's arrangement of a song Mark Stein Show listeners are surely familiar with. Save your kisses, just pass them around. You'll find my reason is logically sound. Who's gonna know that you pass them around a hundred years from the day? Well, I would have played the whole thing just for fans of our Hundred Years Ago show. Unfortunately, I don't think that's one of Sammy Nestico's greatest arrangements. On that same album, LA is My Lady. There's another Nestico chart for a song with which Sinatra had a long history. It's a Cole Porter tune uh, that everyone tended to do a la Stork Club, as Frank put it. (laughs) Then he added, you know, Lester Lannin, if you'll excuse the expression, by which he meant a smooth society orchestra dance floor tempo. When they were making the film Can Can in 1960, Cole Porter suggested to Sinatra he slow the song way down. So here's Frank singing to Juliet Prowse and revealing a rather poignant lyric. For when you're not over someone you love and you suddenly find yourself with someone you like. It's the wrong time and the wrong place. Though your face is charming, it's the wrong face. It's not her face, but such a charming face that it's all right with me. It's the wrong song. In the wrong style Though your smile is lovely It's the wrong smile It's not her smile But such a lovely smile That it's all right With me 
Once Sinatra did it like that, everybody did it as a ballad, even if not quite as super intense as Frank pitching it to Juliet Prowse, with whom he was then romantically involved, which is not always an aid to performance. Flash forward a quarter century to the mid-80s and Sam Nestico turns in a chart for Sinatra that's the complete opposite of that. Quincy Jones conducts, the band had a blast, love the jittery brass in the instrumental break alternating with George Benson on guitar. This is the great Ray Brown on bass. Cue the boy singer. It's the wrong time and the wrong place. Though your face is charming, it's the wrong face. It's not her face, but such a charming face that it's all right with me. It's the wrong song in the wrong style. Though your smile is lovely, it's the wrong smile. It's not her smile, but such a lovely smile That it's all right with me You can't know how happy I am that we met I'm strangely attracted to you There's someone I'm trying so hard to forget Don't you want to forget someone too? It's the wrong game with the wrong chips Though your lips are tempting, they're the wrong lips They're not her lips, but they're such tempting lips That if some night you are free hey, It's all right, it's all right, it's all right with me I'm strangely attracted to you There's someone I'm trying so hard to forget Don't you want to forget someone too? Wrong game with the wrong chips Though your lips are tempting, they're the wrong lips They're not her chops, but they're such tempting chops That if some night you might be free Hey, it's all right it's all right, it's all right with me. That's great, man. That's great. That's great. I mean, that's right in the pocket. I thought I'd leave a bit of the immediate studio reaction there. The guys were impressed. Frank Sinatra thought big finishes were rather corny. His preference was to have the big note, big climax, eight bars or whatever before the end, and then come down for a soft landing, uh, like he does on I've Got You Under My Skin, say. But he was digging that Sam Nestico chart, and so he gave it the full welly, as they say in Yorkshire, but probably not in Palm Springs, sucking in a big gulp and holding that last note all the way. Same Cole Porter number, 
but as different from that ballad treatment to Juliet Prowse as you can imagine. Sinatra's two interpretations of the same song have nothing to do with each other. They're united only within the breadth of his art. Quincy Jones conducting George Benson, Ray Brown. What a band, all arranged by Sammy Nestico, who died a couple of weeks back. He would have been 97 this weekend. That will do it for today's show. If you're listening on Friday afternoon in a couple of hours, I'll be in for Tucker live at 8 p.m. Eastern time across the United States. If you're listening over the weekend, I'll be hosting for a full hour of Fox News primetime starting Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. We'll close it out with a little more Sam Nestico and Cole Porter. Stay safe, stay free. reserved.